Yeah, that I was able to push the button and drink coffee at the same time. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I was like, maybe he's not paying attention. So we got a couple of comments uh, in the last couple of days, and I don't want to dwell on them, but they were negative. And I just want to say that I, I appreciate the feedback, even though I don't quite agree with the sentiment. But it, it did point out to me that, like, maybe last week we were complaining, or it sounded like we were complaining. I haven't listened to the last week's show, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe we were. That wasn't the intent, though. But I wanted to say that I don't think it's our intent to ever be negative or to uh, to justify our actions or what, I don't think that's our intent. And sometimes it happens because we're people and we're having a conversation. And what maybe that what just did comes we out. complain about? I, I don't, that's not important. Like, I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> I <don't because> I, <laughs> <laughs> that feeds into the whole, like complaining about people responding. And that that's not the case. Oh. I, I like the feedback, but I just wanted to point out that I don't think it's any of our intent to be negative in any way on this show. So, if it came across that way, sorry, um, and I'll leave it at that. If I can say something, um, the, the the point yes, of this can. podcast is for the three of us to just hang out and talk, and we happen to be recording that conversation. And sometimes we feel like talking about this, sometimes we feel like talking about that, and you're getting a very, pretty much uncut, unless Jimmy lets a few words slip version of our conversation. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Making It. I'm Jimmy DeResta. <laughs> See? Now, you have no excuse not to do the intro. That was perfect. Yeah, it was. That was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. All right. Mm. Um, what's going on? What have you guys been doing? I just uploaded my video at 420p by accident, so... <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm bragging oh. about a new camera, and everyone's like, yeah, it's really great resolution. What's wrong with you? And I didn't really get it. And then I just went to the computer. Now, I just woke up and checked my computer before I started with you guys, and I, I had uploaded a little cell phone video, which is another problem, but I'll talk about that in a minute. And then I forgot to change my settings. So when I output my vlog, I'm like, oh, that happened quick. Oh, boy, that's uploading fast. Boy, the internet must be good. And it was because it was a low-res video, and I didn't know it. So it's too mm. late. So that's that. I'm not going to change it. It's just a vlog. It's nothing critical. So the news is still the same, whether it's high res or low. So. Yeah. You're not going to replace it? I, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? Just as a silly, I'm going to put it on Patreon with a voiceover. So I'm going to do voiceover one of my mm. vlogs. So it's completely <laughs> ridiculous and redundant, but it might be funny. Just to give people a reason to watch it again. Huh. I'm going to voiceover me talking. This is where that's I, pretty funny. <laughs> Are you going to leave the original voice there and just talk over it so it's really, really hard to understand? Yep. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is what I wanted to do, and I'm, I'm probably going to do this. I'm going to take the video and stretch it out to like 20% and then do a voiceover of it slowly and then bring it back to normal. So my voiceover is going to be high pitch, and then the regular oh. thing is still going to be the same. Uh, hmm. That was the thought. <laughs> That was the concept. <laughs> that sounds pretty horrible to listen to, we'll personally. See. Well, I mean, the but, audio levels would be appropriate. The high-pitched voice would be all you hear. The other things would yeah, be but noise it, in the background. It'd be like chipmunks doing your voiceover. Well, I mean, I'll make it so it's, you know, it'll maybe be like 5% fast, not 20. 20 is mm. a little fast. Yeah. So, we'll see. New, gotcha. new idea. Groundbreaking. Taking mistakes and turning them into gold. <laughs> now, see, for me, I would immediately take that video down and replace it because I wouldn't want to deal with, like, the... You know, every 
a couple of days, somebody finally gets around to watching that video and they go like, what's wrong with the resolution? And you just continually get... Well, I pinned a comment that said, hey, I don't understand what's wrong with the resolution. And then about an hour later, I actually went in and I, I edited that comment. I was like, hey, I finally looked at the resolution and I realized it was my mistake. I'm sorry. I was, yeah. uh, I, I said, you know, 500 plus uploads made one mistake. Forgive me. Only one. Only <laughs> one. The only mistake That's I ever it. made. <laughs> going to have to live with myself. Do you find that um, pinning, because I do that too, I'll pin a comment with, you know, try to like update stuff or like, you know, mm-hmm. keep things, uh, new information and everything. Do you find that that's actually helpful? Yeah, because nobody reads the commentary read as often as they read the comments, it seems. So, yeah, yeah if it's pinned at the top, people will be like, oh, it's pinned. It must be something important he has to say. That's that's what I, that's the, the gut I feel when I see somebody else's video with a pinned comment. I'm like, uh-oh, somebody's mad at something. Pinned comment. It's yeah, usually what I, it means. <laughs> well, I put out a video last week, and I actually had my American flag hanging up backwards. And a couple mm-hmm. people let me know right away in the comments, like, you have it backwards. And so I immediately fixed it, and then I wrote a comment and pinned it saying, I am, I apologize. I mean, no offense. I fixed the flag. And then I still got a whole bunch of comments and a couple of emails uh, so it works and it doesn't work at the same time. You know how I fixed the, the backwards flag comment in one of my videos? I did a the bed video uh, just about exactly a year ago, about Valentine's Day last year. And that was a Casper mattress video. And in my bedroom, there's a flag hanging in the window. So when you're outside, it's hanging right. When you're inside, it's hanging wrong. Hmm. And so I took the various segments in that room and I flip-flopped them. Hmm. So in some, some pe- like so nobody knew which was right, just so it confused everybody. So... <laughs> Some aspects of that little segment, the video's flopped and the flag reads right and some it's wrong. So they're like, wait, I should comment, but I don't know which way he lives. I don't know which is the right world. So. <laughs> well, I'm going to have the issue where we shot three videos at the same time. So I have two more videos with the backwards flag. And so... Uh, oh, just flop those scenes. Yeah, no one's I'll, I'll probably do that. And then you'll probably see the saw stop uh, flipped as well, but... Who cares? Nobody will know. Think, no one's going to know. I think people will it. complain less about that than the flag, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's a guess. Yeah. There's some passionate I, people. Out I there. do that all the time. If, if I do like a left handed project that has, you know, a left and a right handed aspect, I talked about this. I'll do a left handed version of it, which is like shot right, and then I'll flop it to do because I didn't shoot the other side of me doing something. So it's like mm. if something has two beats, like I do this side of it and that side of it. It's the same shot, just flipped, and nobody hmm. ever notices. And everything huh. in the background's in reverse, but no one sees. They're just looking at the action, and is it might a, say Dewalt in reverse on the tool or whatever. Is this a hmm. is this a trick you'll teach in our class coming up this year? That's right, exactly. <laughs> Saves you fifteen seconds of video, so you don't have to shoot the other side. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably plan that. If we keep talking about I it, know, we should actually know. pick a date and make that thing happen. Yeah, um, I'm working on the electric. By the way, on? actually, do what. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Huh? The electric? What? No, I was saying I was working on the electric for the building, so hopefully we get the thing oh. together by April. I was going to just jump in. <clears throat> is it? Is the weather changed there yet? Because it's like seventy degrees here, or it's going to be today. It, it it is nice today. It's it feels like it's going to be a warm day. Thank God. I noticed because um, we're going to Workbench Con this weekend, and yep. I was looking at the weather in Atlanta just to see, and it's going to be like eighty-two on Friday. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> So that should be interesting. Break out your cargo shorts. That's right. Oh, no. It's too early for this. (laughs) It's too early. Too early for shorts. Um, Yeah. What have you been working on? Anything cool? Me personally, I just finished up my Seagram 7 signage that I had to do. 
and that was exciting. And uh, just uh, I got some quotes for electric, so I'm working through that for the building. I told you guys last, I think I told you guys, I don't know if it was on air or off air, but it's exorbitant pricing to get the electric from the street to the building, which is 300 feet. So if all those electricians out there know exactly what that would cost. So I'm just working on some alternatives uh, to get some get the pricing down. And we got a new quote, which is it's just ex very expensive, but it's reasonable compared to you know the extremes. And um, so that's exciting. That's going to start moving soon. And uh, are you, are you still looking at the aluminum for that as the yeah, it seemed, yeah, yeah. That's what the, we got a new quote for aluminum, and I asked a few friends, and they all said it's okay. But everybody that's listening now is going to call me and tell me everything's horrible about it because that's just the way it is. So. I got some experts on the case behind the scenes here, like real experts, and so they told me it's okay. Um, but when I talk about any of this type of stuff, it's like very controversial. You know, everybody has their opinion. So um, whatever, we'll see where it goes. Uh, what else am I working on? Just uh, starting a couple of new videos. I've been playing a lot with my laser and my CNC after last week's conversation, extracting all the soul out of all my work. So nice, cool. Yeah. It's a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few comments that people say. It's really sad that all the work now is made on the computer. It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> sad. Aww. What about you, David? Uh, so we've been um, we've been gang filming um, a bunch of videos. So at the same time, I film wearing your wearing your hat backwards and stuff. Of course, like, well, you're gang filming, gangsta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> people still say boy. I don't know. I do. <laughs> but I wear dad shorts, so whatever. That's funny. Um, so we went to, Eric and I went to the Antique Mall um, a couple weeks ago, and we got some things to kind of flip, and we found some antique barn wood that I used to make the frame for the Jimmy DeResta print. Oh, yeah. Uh, Very if cool. it looks straight. Thank yeah. You. And while we were there, we found some old vintage beer cans. Um they were like two bucks a piece, so I got some really colorful ones, and we basically cut the top off and made like a little wood insert and turned it into a pencil holder. And That's cool. um, it's such a shame that you're ruining such a good piece of Americana. You know, there's only 16 billion of those left. Uh, yeah, that's why they're that's why they're the expensive price of two bucks each. It's, just, <laughs> it's such a shame. You don't have no yeah. respect for Americana. I know. I know. <laughs> I should have. I I I, I should I have wish asked you. I can see Jimmy's face. Yeah. He looks so serious. Yeah. <laughs> Coming off of his gun there video, his, his like seventeen eighties farmhouse with his old mirror behind his shoulder, <laughs> going looking disappointed. And David, sorry, that's all right. Then um, oh the no uh, the ex the experiment of taking foam core and veneering it with um, a wood veneer worked. Yeah, perfect. The whole box oh, is yeah, made out of. Out of which just with only a utility knife, and so that video will be coming out soon, um, and along along with the beer can. And then this week we are starting the dog station feeder with the with the auger that we talked about a few weeks ago. Oh, oh cool! Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Huh? Lots going uh, on. Yeah the the box that you, you you sent us a picture of that box. It looks awesome. I can't wait to see that video. It's so weird. You look at it and you're like, oh, that looks like a nice walnut box, and then you pick it up and it's really super light so it it yeah. kind of messed with your brain well even in the picture the way that you were holding it you had it like oh. <laughs> between two fingers like on one hand and it was like stuck out i'm like there's no way like he's got crazy strong fingers or <laughs> it's not actually wood 
Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's funny because we made a project. So this week, um, a video about a climbing wall is coming out. So we made a climbing wall in the boys' room in a corner. So it kind of goes up two walls and then up onto the ceiling. It's pretty awesome. Um, but then I wanted to do something really fast, like a one-day kind of build on Friday. And I was asking my wife about she had any ideas, you know, stuff for the house that we needed. And she was like, well, we need a picture frame for that big Star Wars poster that you want to hang up. Because I had it in like a plastic, cheap plastic poster frame. And I'm like, huh, I've never made a picture frame before. It just dawned on me that I don't think I'd ever done that. So we immediately started making it, and it turned out great. But it was funny, about halfway through, Josh goes, did you watch David's video about making a picture frame? And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. I probably should have before I tried uh, to make one. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to have a picture frame video coming out right after yours, but uh, it wasn't um, ripping yours off. So in the past, I've always done the the splines. I had a spline jig mm-hmm. where I would reinforce it with the splines. Um, did you watch the picture frame video yet? Uh, I, yeah, I did after. Yeah. Yeah. So I cut out little circles on the laser and then use a Forstner yeah. bit in the back to um, bore that out and use that as reinforcement, And um, which I thought worked great. It was a really quick way to strengthen it. And then a couple people were like, that's a great idea. I'm just going to get a hole saw. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I'm going to use that in oh, the next video. Yeah. And to huh. cut the circles out with the hole saw. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that was a really cool tip. Like when we were trying to figure out how to make this frame, because it's big. It's like a, I don't know, uh, 26 by 40 or something. It's a poster frame and it's solid walnut. So we were trying to figure out how to make the joints strong enough. And I wanted to, to miter them, but I didn't really want to do splines because I was trying to make it so where you could do the whole thing with, um, with, a table saw or with a just basic tools, you know? And so I didn't want to make a spline jig and I didn't want to have to go through like the doing it dangerously without a jig. And so uh, Josh came up with the idea of doing a half lap miter, which I'd never even oh. thought about doing. So from the front, it looks like a miter joint, but it's actually a half lap on the backside and it worked perfectly. And it's, there's tons of, you know, surface area. So it's really, uh, strong. All the corners are really strong, but the miters lined up perfectly, and so it looks very, very nice. And it's solid walnut, so of course that looks cool. How did you attempt? Uh, how did you do that? How did you make that? Like, could you describe for a minute how you cut it? Yeah. So we cut. Um, let's see. The sides were one way, and the top and bottom were a different way. So the sides got cut forty-five degree angles on on both ends, and then lowered the blade to half the thickness of the wood, and chopped out that triangle at the top yep. mm-hmm. from the backside, right? So you have the negative space on the, on the backside of those pieces. And then for the top and bottom, I cut out the negative space on the front side, but I cut out a triangle. Does that make sense? You had to leave a piece of wood. Yeah, yeah. So there's, when you look at it from the top, it's still a rectangle. But then when you look at it, you know, there's like a triangle missing on each corner, mm-hmm. halfway down in the depth. Yep. Um, and it actually took me, when he mentioned that, it took me a little bit to kind of figure out exactly what he was talking about because I couldn't see how you could put two miters together but still have something sticking out underneath it. But, uh, yeah, it worked out great and fit together really well, and it was a quick project, but it was, you know, very nice. Um, anyway, so that was a, a relatively quick project, and the whole thing was done on the table saw with a regular blade except for um, I decided not to try to put a rabbit on the inside to drop in the the, fr- the glass and stuff with the table saw. Because of how that joint was done, um, if I had just run 
each piece through the blade, you would have cutouts on the outside of the frame. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it would go through. But yeah, but if it had been a pure, you know, miter, uh, like normal miter joint, then you could have run each piece through. But then you would have had to reinforce the miters. And anyway, um, so I ended up using a trim router just to cut that rabbit around the inside. But other than that, it was all table saw, normal blade. We did it in just a couple of hours, and it turned out great. So I was really happy to have something that I kind of expected to be a really overly simple project ended up being like a, a pretty good, you know, like, there was still good stuff in it. You know, it was still, hmm. I think, maybe useful for people. So I think I tend to overcomplicate. Well, I know I do. But <laughs> when, <laughs> when I think about projects, like I was doing this the other day, I was trying to think of something kind of quick that we could do in one day. And remember I talked a couple of weeks ago about the hanger on the ceiling, the camera hanger? Yeah. <clears throat> so we started thinking through that again. And I, I said, like, okay, I know how to make the basic thing. I've already figured that out. But it needs more. <laughs> I kept going, but it needs, but, and then we could, and then we could, and, and we could attach two of them and put them on the, you know, and, it, and then, like, at that point, it's not a simple project anymore. So, kind of defeated the purpose of trying to come up with something simple because I kept complicating it. Anyway, it was really nice to do a simple picture frame and still feel like it was a valuable thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but so I'm trying to get ahead and trying to do, you know, like a quick one and then a not so quick one and then a quick one so that I can start to build up a little bit more lead time, uh, so that I'm not stressed about timing and stuff. It's just not worthwhile. So anyway, that's what I'm up to. The climbing wall is coming out this week though. And it's really cool. Sweet. The kids love it. Yeah. So how high will it go? Well, it's, um, I mean, the ceiling is, it's an eight foot ceiling in the, in the room, but it's an attic, a converted attic, so it's got like the angled pitch of. Oh, so it makes it harder. Yeah, so it has one straight wall and then a corner, so actually two straight walls. But then halfway up one of them, it starts to pitch at fifty-five degrees, so it go- goes up to the ceiling from there. So you know they have some simple, you know, straight up and down climbing, and then they've got like a roof that they can get under and a little ledge right on the top of the roof that they can kind of reach up around, and it's totally strong enough for. Me and you know, I mean, it's it's bolted to the to the studs in the house and everything, so it's not going anywhere. Very cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. So I uh, 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 breaking news. Breaking news. I just got a text Ooh. from my buddy Brian Prusa. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, Jimmy's vlog where he takes his dog into Home Depot, and I was like, "You can do that." Brian is, just sent me like a screenshot of their website saying, um, "Dogs are welcome there." Really? Yeah. Oh, so, um, I don't know if it's a store by store thing, but uh, apparently, dogs are welcome. My my dog, my old wiener dog, would not enjoy that because he hates other people. But uh, maybe our new <laughs> wiener dog would love that. Huh. Anyway, pretty cool. So thanks, Brian. That. Yeah. Good old Brian. We got. So an, what, are, what are we talking about today? We got an email from Jonathan saying he just bought a thirty-six inch lathe. And wants to know what a good starter project is for it. And I thought we can expand on that. We can talk about a good starter project for the lathe or for the bandsaw or for whatever. Right on. So, Bob, starter projects. Yeah, good starter yes. projects. You just got a lathe maybe like a year ago. Yeah. What was the first thing you made on it? I think the first thing, I think, I think the actual first thing I made was a little honey dipper. It's like a little, 
it's, I don't even know the, what you call that shape, but if you look at the profile, it looks like a spoon, but instead of a flat spoon area, it's a rounded thing with some little grooves cut into it so that you, when you dip it in a honey thing, it picks up a whole bunch of honey. Um, and I've never actually used it for honey. It was more of just like, I know that shape is something that I can do on a lathe with zero experience. Hmm. And I did it out of a little scrap piece of wood that was maybe, maybe five inches long, six inches long, and three quarters of an inch around, you know, so an off cut from something else. And I think there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I have very little experience on the lathe, but I think there are several things like that that you can use offcuts for as a way to practice and still get a usable, like, thing out of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Man, something in my throat. <clears throat> the other project that I did actually on my channel as a beginner project was a tool handle. And that's just a really basic cylinder with some very easy contour to it uh, and then drilling a hole in the end of it so that you can slide in a rasp or a file. I don't remember which one I did, but that was, I mean, those were both really basic, took just a few minutes to do, didn't need any special lathe tools. Um, yeah, I think, I think those would be the place I would start with the lathe. I started with making pens. My buddy, Sean, what's up, Sean came over and gave me some tips and said, Here's a here's a, a pen kit. Let's make a pen. And it was really satisfying to have this workable mechanical thing that I made with in a few minutes on the lathe. That's something I've never done. I still haven't made a pen. Um, and I, I didn't start with that because I knew that there was other stuff. Like you have to get a kit, right, of mm -hmm. the pieces to put in the guts of the pen. Yeah. And that was one of those things I just like, well, I, I mean – I don't know. I can order this thing and then wait for it to get in and try to figure out what I need <laughs> to know. But it sounds like it's pretty simple. It sounds like it's something that a lot of people mm -hmm. do as their first lathe project. Yeah. And it can also be complicated. There are other types of pens where it gets a, um, a little bit, there's more parts and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great simple project. And there are, if you go that route, there are jigs that you can use to um, help you along the way. And you don't those jigs make it easier, but you don't have to buy those jigs. You can actually use clamps and stuff that you have. It's watch some videos. I got a couple of videos on, on making pens. Nice. What you got, Jimmy? What do you think for a lathe first projects? Well, I, I, when I was a kid, my dad set us up with a lathe, an old craftsman lathe, me and my brothers, and we all made little bats because my uncle was a fisherman and we would, he needed a bat to like beat the fish up when they got on the boat because he made big, he used to catch big fish. And Whoa, we never the used comments. them for that. But we would, oh, here come the comments. I'm, I'm talking 1975. And I never did it, but my uncle needed these bats to beat up the sharks he brought on the boat. So that was the first thing I remembered making. We would just make them because that's what we saw. We never did anything with them. They just hung around the workshop. And so we, uh, we would make baseball bats and we would, I, I remember trying to imitate like a Louisville slugger because it's like long and sleek and make one small because the, the lathe wasn't long enough. And so we did that. And then I remember the first time experimenting, my dad showed me in a book, this was before the internet, he showed me in a book where you could release a piece of material to, to be loose on the, the mandrel. So like a, a baby rattle or like have that ring trapped inside of. Dave, didn't you do something like that recently? Was it you? No, nope, wasn't me. Oh no, I'm I'm thinking of I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, released a piece of wood 
I just remember seeing something on Instagram. And uh, but that's obviously something that anybody could do. That's always fun to accomplish, is to like release and trap that ring that stays stuck in there for whatever reason. But those are some of the early experiments that I did. I remembered making a cup and a ball. You ever see that old trick where you make like a little hand cup and then a ball, but you make it in the same piece of wood and then you cut them apart later. So that was a fun little project, making a cup and a ball out of the same material. Is that like uh, a yeah? But just getting your bearings from back in the day. Yeah, that's like a fidget spinner from the like turn of the century. Yeah, you know, I'm going to try and introduce the 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 wooden the wooden wheel with a stick. That's something I'm going to try and reintroduce this year. Mm, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Just knock it down be called the, the fidget hoop. Yeah, fidget hoop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my name. Anybody don't steal fidget hoop. That's mine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so ma- you can make a tiny a tiny fidget hoop. <laughs> you know, for, with little tiny sticks. Drumsticks, because uh, one of my friends was a drummer, so he's always like, can you make me drumsticks? And anytime I made drumsticks, they, didn't, they, weren't, they weren't as good as the ones he could just buy. Because <laughs> we were just making them out of scrap, like pine and stuff, and he's making, you know, he has drumsticks made out of ash. When I was a kid, we didn't have access to a lot of expensive wood or, you know, higher-end hardwoods. Just because my dad worked out of, everything my dad made was in pine. And so we had scraps of pine laying around everywhere. My dad, when, when I was a kid in the 70s, nearly everything he made was like an like a colonial stylized cabinet that would like hold dishes or, you know, antique colonial things made in the seventies to look like they were made in the 1700s. I don't think I've ever seen any of his, uh, any of his furniture. I think I've only seen like the crafty, like the whale and stuff like that that you've seen. Do you have any pictures of his furniture? That would be actually a good little vlog thing to go and show some of my dad's stuff that he's actually made in my mom's house. You know, my when my parents divorced in 1980, all the furniture in the house was stuff my dad made, and it's all still there. Yeah. My mother's house is like a time capsule, so that's a good idea. I'll, I'll do that. Cool I'll add that to a vlog next time I'm, I'm out at my mom's house. That's funny. Yeah. So I, just those few experiments, and like I said, when I was a kid, the access was mostly looking at like craft books, and my dad was very eager to. In- inspire me so me and my brothers and so he would always get these craft books and we would try and emulate the projects out of them out of those hmm. books sorry about my yeah. english one day <laughs> out I'll <of> <laughs> um all right so before we move on to another tool uh maybe throw in some safety if somebody's getting started on a lathe what what are a couple safety tips face shield because I, I know like when i started on the lathe i didn't know anything about it and immediately people were like you're doing it wrong your face is going to explode and a face shield was one of the things that i didn't have and now i do mm-hmm. it's one um, important thing uh, on the lathe uh, i was going to say one important thing and it's only because it just happened the other day taylor was using the lathe you got to listen when things when the noise changes something's wrong so if you hear like a certain consistent whine and the minute that noise gets either a higher pitch or a lower pitch you got to figure out what's changed what has changed whether your balance of your piece you're cutting or your your tailstock is loose it's usually the case you got to turn your tailstock in tight make sure it's tight if it's held between centers so that's it just make sure your balance is good and that your tailstock is nice and tight or tight enough where it needs to be to keep the rattling down it's also good to make sure your your tools are sharp and that you're going in at the right angle because you yep. don't want it to catch and have that thing flip up and hit you in the chin. So, um, yeah, there's there's all kinds of great content on on the internet about safety and and things like that. So yeah. that's the thing that I'm worried about is that tool catching. So you, a lot of times, um, I, hopefully, I'm explaining the right technique. You want to hold the tool against your body. 
and and you kind of use your 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 body when you're when you're carving away that way you can't lose control of it hmm i didn't actually know that that's good to know i i know that also i i didn't do this at the beginning and a lot of people called me out on it you want the tool rest as close as possible to the workpiece or really close to it um so that there's so that the tool doesn't become a lever so if it does catch and you know the tool rest is two inches back, then you have two inches of leverage there that's working against you to try to hold the tool in place. Mm-hmm. So move it up as close to the workpiece as you can. A lot of the stuff you guys are talking about is uh, are all obvious to keep in mind at any given time. But one thing also to be aware of is that when you're making something skinny like a pen, the the torque against the tip of the chisel is not going to be nearly as great as it will be if you're making something like a bowl. So if you're spinning something that's 10 inches in diameter, that leverage we're all worried about grabbing the chisel is much more apparent at that size when you're making something skinny yeah. a skinny mandrel like one inch two inch diameter you, you know you're less likely to to be have that chisel pulled out of your hand but it's always good to obviously always be aware yeah that's a good point cool wear, wear face mask don't have anything loose you know if you have a long crazy beard tied up you have yeah, whatever don't wear your wizard don't wear, don't wear your wizard gown when you use the lid <laughs> No, no long scarves while you're on the lathe. Stuff like that. No Dungeons and Dragons cosplay when you're on the lathe. <laughs> Tie your hair back. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, what's another tool that we can give a basic project for? Ban- you said bandsaw earlier. Yeah. Yeah, because I just got that email um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, ba- I think uh, the, the bandsaw is, is one of those tools where you um, – you learn the feel of it after, just after making a few cuts. You have to practice on it a little bit. And I think a bandsaw box is a really good uh, opportunity to use the bandsaw because you don't need many other tools to do that. Just a bandsaw and, and some clamps. And um, I, I, I will say this. I have a I, I put out a book of eight different bandsaw projects. And the very first project, in my mind, was the easiest one. And it turns out it has the most difficult cut in the book. And it's this huh. it's a really simple box, and I call it the Tennessee box. And it has a really, really tight corner that you have to cut with the bandsaw. And I didn't I didn't realize that many people making these boxes are just getting started with the bandsaw. And uh, a lot of people are having trouble making that cut. And I, it's it's a hard thing to explain, but it's like driving a stick shift where you have to have a like an equilibrium of the the clutch and the accelerator. And when you're cutting tight curves in the bandsaw, you have to turn and push at the same time, and you have to you have to get that feel for it. Hmm. Yeah, I was actually yep. trying to explain. Always keep moving. I, I was using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to explain that to my son. We were working on the uh, scroll saw couple weeks ago and he was using it for the first time and i was trying to get him to understand that it always has to be moving forward even if you're turning because he just wanted to spin it you know it's like the blade would cut on its side but i had to try to get it into his brain that like it has to be moving against the teeth like that's where the cutting's done and same for the bandsaw you know you have to has to be moving on that plane as well as whatever else you want so although there are special jimmy there's special blades for the jigsaw so you don't have to push it where it has teeth that spiral up the blade oh for a uh, scroll yep. saw yeah left right yeah you can go oh. in any direction well, that's cool yep. i didn't know that they don't make them for the bandsaw because it would destroy the wheels because the bandsaws on the, you need like a flat side to operate the blade 
But uh, uh, just a, an obvious statement, if we're talking about beginning bandsaw projects, changing the blade on the bandsaw often and regularly is important. A lot of people get a bandsaw and the blade stays on it for two years. They don't realize why they're having difficulty cutting. Is because the blade that came with the used bandsaw should have been changed years before it was even sold to you. <laughs> so it is important to change the bandsaw blade regularly and often. You could ruin a bandsaw blade in just a matter of seconds if you make a bad cut or if you hit a tiny piece of nail somewhere in a piece of old wood. So it's important to stay on top of having a good sharp new blade or you know a blade that's well cared for. And I recently saw I went to Wood Talk, uh, one of those get-togethers here in Massachusetts. I met up with some of the guys from the group and. I watched the Carter Blade guy do his seminar, and I learned oh, yeah. so much from that guy. I, I I I heard so much about him over the years. He's the guy that makes the little reindeers. But I watched Snodgrass. him live, and is is that his name? I think so. It's I think it's Alex Snodgrass. Uh, he was amazing. I learned so much. He, uh, when I met him, somebody introduced us, and he says, "Oh, Jimmy's a big YouTuber." And he goes, "Well, you probably got nothing to learn from me." I said, "Honestly, I said I just I I learned the band stuff from a little kid, and I never really studied it, but just I do what works for me." So I said, I'm sure I'm going to learn something. So I sat and I learned a tremendous amount about how to adjust the blade and where the blade should be on the on the wheel and a lot of things. So if you get a chance, check him out. You know, this isn't any promotion mm. for him, but he also sells a lot of products. But um, simple projects is just, you know, putting some simple curves down. If you want to try and follow the pencil line, this is something I always say. When you use the bandsaw, it's important to use the back part of the blade as much as the front. So you got to use that back part of the blade as something to lean on. It's kind of hard to understand what I'm talking about unless I can demonstrate it. But when you push, this is my own purse. This isn't the, the bandsaw expert I just saw talking. This is me. When you see, when you, sometimes when you have a brand new sharp blade, it's hard to follow the line because it's waving all over the place. It's kind of like, it's kind of row going on its own. But if you kind of press the project a little bit to the left or the right on the back of the blade, it gives you some stability. It also keeps that blade from wobbling if there's a little wobble in it. So huh. that's something to play with. And the way I, I start anybody in the shop, I draw a couple of pencil lines. I say, try and leave that pencil line. And I, I personally leave the pencil line with like a, a few thousandths inch of hair around it. So my pencil line, if I cut on a paper pattern, you'll see the, the actual printed line with a little thin hair of white. And that's just so I have room. If I make a mistake, I can go in and I have the thickness of the white I left and some of the line to make a gentle curve to hide a mistake or a nick. You know, if I'm making smaller letters. If you're making bigger letters, you can really hide a lot of mistakes. But the smaller, the the more careful you have to be when it is when it comes to following the line. But if you have a blade, also draw tighter and tighter curves to see how tight you can stick to a curve before you jump into a project. Sometimes you get stuck inside of a project and you don't know where to go because you can't back out because you made too many tight turns and you, you can't go forward because there's too many tight turns. You got to shut the saw off and slowly come out or just cut your project in half and glue it back together if it's something that's not mm. that critical. So, but yeah. I just practice on cutting simple straight lines in scrap wood and then slowly turn them into curves and then obviously cutting letters is a big is a big practice john uh brett just said recently brett cut letters recently and he says he never would have had the confidence if he hadn't paid you know this is i'm not pitching myself here but he says he wouldn't have had the confidence if he didn't learn some of the tips i taught him and uh, you know watch some of my videos he felt like it would have taken him hours to cut these letters out which only took him a short time hmm. so cutting letters is a good thing to experiment with yeah, that was going to be kind of one of the things I was going to say as well. Another like simple thing that you could practice on the bandsaw that would be something useful in the shop is to make a push stick. Um, a lot of mm -hmm. the push, I mean, you know, you can make a push stick out of anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be any specific shape. But if you have a shape that you like, 
like the one that I end up using has kind of a curve on the where the handle is and then a straight uh, like a diagonal line down to the front tip and then a little foot on the back and so it's not complicated shapes at all but um, it's something that doesn't necessarily have to be pretty it's useful and that's a pretty good way to use some of your scrap you know to get a feel for the saw and to have something out of it that you can use on a daily basis. And it's something you're going to destroy anyway, so if you don't do a great job at it, it's going to get chopped up in the saw, and then you can make another one. Practice again. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, safety safety stuff for the bandsaw? Anything? I mean, obviously, you know, it's a saw, so it's dangerous, but... I think a lot of uh, bandsaw injuries come from after you turn the saw off, and it's winding down, and you, you, you kind of remove yourself from that mental state of, of cutting, and... Um, so watch your fingers even after you turn that that saw off because it takes it takes a few minutes or a few minutes a few seconds for it to completely yeah. stop. Yeah. In my lifetime, I cut myself on the bandsaw probably fifteen times: small cuts, big cuts, bad cuts, and it all almost every single one of them came from me being caref- careless and cleaning the top of the table off while the saw was running. Mm. something gets jammed up near the blade i try and clean it out and it pulls my thumb in or i'm sweeping off the edge and i just stick my thumb directly into the blade not realizing uh so and then another real critical thing is don't ever push too hard you see me use a pencil a lot of the times and that's just so i can get close to the blade and push a little bit a lot of people push they don't realize if you're pushing and then something gives you're going to jam your thumb into that blade so yeah. make sure your guard is down above your tool. It, it is actually good for safety, and it also helps guide the blade right above your project. So, it, it, One thing that – go ahead. I was just going to say, um, don't push too hard. That's just a good um, tip outside of safety too. Let the blade do the work instead of you forcing yeah. it through. Otherwise, you're going to mm-hmm. dull your blade. You're going to burn your, your wood. And you probably get a cleaner cut if you let the saw do the work yeah. rather than you do it too, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the things, this is super obvious, but I didn't think about it when I first used the bandsaw. It's, the blade is moving down all the time. Most saws, are the blade is moving down all the time. And if you try to push something through, like say you have a, um, a piece of square stock and you're trying to knock off the corners. And you think, I think, I can roll it up on one side and push it through to knock off a corner but oh. the blade is trying to take whatever it's touching. It's going to try to pull it down to the table. So if you're trying to push something yeah. through that's not supported, it's going to yank it down, and that is just going to go badly for everything involved. So you know if you are trying to cut something, a corner off of a piece or something like that, make sure that it's supported in a way that the blade is not going to take over and yank it down to the table. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining yeah. that well. You'll but. see uh, Jimmy Duresta yeah. or like a Sam Maloof. They'll use the the saw to kind of shape something. But uh, you always have to have a piece that's secured to the table. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the blade will yank anything right to the table. And then another really important thing to be careful, I watch it happen all the time. Someone goes to the bandsaw with a dowel, and you go to cut the dowel, and the dowel just immediately gets pulled into a spiral. The, the dowel will get pulled down. If you hold it gently and you stick it into the blade, that blade is spinning however many inches per second and it's going to grab the dowel and spin it with it and it's very startling if you're not careful so the same thing can happen to square stock or any kind of stock so when you hold anything round if you're going to cut like a say a lot of people will go to the bandsaw and say i want to cut a wooden ball in half it's very dangerous because the ball immediately will spin and because it's a wooden (laughs) ball your fingers are close to the blade and you get so startled so 
it's important maybe to either hot glue it to another piece of wood and then cut it right through the hot glue. I've done that. Or grab it with a clamp somehow, you know, like a screw clamp. Just don't get your hands near the blade and always keep it from wanting to turn. That's really important. Yeah. Okay. So I have a story kind of about that. A while back I made um, an escape room uh, puzzle and it was a globe. And so I had to put electronics on the inside of this globe. And so my thought was, well, obviously I can cut that in half on the bandsaw. It's, you know, 12 inches or so tall. So I knew I couldn't push it through the saw. But I figured there's got to be a way to push it up onto the blade and then rotate the the thing. And so anyway, I drilled holes in the ends of it, you know, at the poles of the globe and drove a rod through so that it could spin on this rod. So, and then I made a little mount to give it a flat surface on the, and I'm like thinking, yeah, I totally got this. It's all secure. It's not going to go anywhere. And I just wanted to barely push it into the saw and hold on to the globe so that I could control how it spun and, you know, make several passes around the globe to let the blade cut through this thick cardboard. And the first time I touched it, I thought I had a hold of it. And it just, as soon as it grabbed the cardboard, it just spun and just, you know, it was a disaster. It didn't destroy anything and it wasn't unsafe, but it just didn't work because I was expecting to have more control over this thing than what I actually had. I mean, the blade is just moving and if it can grab anything, it will, again, try to pull it down to the table. So yeah, like you're talking about trying to, to do, to cut a ball or anything, anything that can move will move <laughs> because the the blade's moving with a lot of power, probably more than you can resist, you know, without uh, experiencing it and trying to, you know, make sure that you're holding things tightly enough. So that did happen hmm. for sure. Yep. And I guess another thing, um, you, I've seen Jimmy do this several times where he takes like the big wooden screw clamps <clears throat> and holds a piece and uses it in the drill press. Like, so if you want to drill a hole in a ball, a good way to do that is to hold it in a wooden screw clamp so it has a flat surface around it. You lay that on the table, and then you drill down into the drill press. That kind of works on the bandsaw, except for the fact that if you have a clamp squishing on a piece from both sides, and you're trying to cut a cut down the middle of it, oh. you're actually squeezing on the blade when you do that. Yeah, that, you gotta um, you got to grab it. Uh, you know, you got to cut through the equator, but grab on one side of the equator. Basically, yeah. you got you can't squeeze it. It's yeah, that's uh, that's so like sawing off the branch you're sitting on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a, I just want to point that out because it's a great tip for the band. I mean, for the drill press, but it doesn't translate to a blade the same way. So, anyway, what else we got? Mm. Oh, and make sure uh, when you're on the band, so don't wear your wizard costume. This is going to be a recurring theme, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good <laughs> tip for every tool. Don't wear your wizard costume when you're using black. <laughs> Sorry, the timing of that was bad. If you guys want to become a joke writer, I should have put that in like a few minutes earlier. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes the odd timing is what really works, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what other tools we got? Uh, what's a good project when you get it? I get this all, all the time, like a CNC or a laser. Let's group them. Oh, the first um, thing I made was what? little boxes. That's what I made. That's in my vlog this week. I talk about making boxes. That it, I always want to have. I always want boxes for storage, but like I, I don't want to take the time it takes to make them properly because I'm lazy. So when you make them on the CNC machine, you can get nice finger joints. So I always make boxes. 
Hmm. Yeah. I tend to think of like, I need to do more of that type of stuff where you're, you know, you're taking advantage of it to create joinery. I tend to only really think about those two tools uh, being useful for engraving. I mean, not, that's not true. Not only useful for that, but that's like the first thing I go to is, you know, some elaborate script that I, there's no other way I could do that by hand. I think of that type of thing, but what Jimmy's saying about a box or some, you know, multiple pieces that can fit together really tightly uh, because of the fact that they were, you know, cut precisely, that's probably a way better use. But I always go to engraving or like text or, you know, burning a photo on or mm. something like that. There is a, I don't know. There is a bit that you can get for the CNC um, that cuts a. Uh, um, basically a, a 90 degree miter it's actually 91 degrees so it uh, allows it to fold a little bit better but it's for box making and hmm. so you can you can cut out your six sides and then kind of fold it up onto each other to glue it together oh that's cool also a quick way of making a box huh um yeah i don't, I don't know Wait. i don't know of a good first project for cnc i do you guys see what i made yesterday Signs. i made these pencils it's on instagram uh, oh, I, a laser edge pencil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I oh, just cool. had a stupid idea. On the pencil, I wrote uh, this idea. This pencil is full of ideas. It's your job to release them or to get them out. And right away, everyone's like, I want to buy one. I want to buy one. I just made a bunch of little doodads just playing around with to have with me when we go to Atlanta. But that uh, is something right away because we had to order new pencils. So Scott, my, my guy at the shop, he said, should we put that on the new pencil order? I said, yep, let's do it. So we're going to have new yeah. fat pencils. And it's going to say that on the side. Nice. But you could laser etch pencils. It's a it's a great simple little thing. When I first got my laser, and <clears throat> didn't we do an episode where we're not supposed to do this on the air? Yeah, <laughs> like we're just David's not coughing, but Jimmy and I are coughing all day today. What's up with that? Yeah. So uh, what I was going to say was when I first got my CNC machine, my ShopBot, I I started engraving pencils because I wanted to promote my name. Boy, what a stretch! So I made a bunch of pencils, <laughs> and. Yeah, that's really complicated. And it's funny, when I was making the pencils, I was wearing my, my wizard suit. <laughs> huh. thought you weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. Ever. It's okay. <laughs> I pulled my sleeves up. It's, oh, it's not just a safety thing. It's also fashion. Don't ever. <laughs> Don't ever. No, so, uh, of course, whenever you do pencils in the CNC, you have to fixture them. And that's a whole other episode. I actually want to do a tips video of fixturing stuff on the CNC machine. Uh, but in the laser, it's nothing. You just lay it in as long as the wind doesn't blow it around <laughs> because the laser just is sort of a passive tool that it doesn't it, – it burns the material. But unless you're like etching a piece of paper or something, you gotta, it, it's almost no issue as far as fixturing stuff. You do want to make sure you put it back in the same place each time if you're going to say, for instance, do – a thin line of type on a pencil. You gotta. I, I have a couple of little skinny weights that I keep in there. So if I, I'll just put some cardboard down, put some weights on the cardboard, and then that'll be my placement, the fixture, the placement, not necessarily the product. So yeah, I guess write things on little, fun if stuff. Were, if you were going to do a bunch of those, you could make a little simple jig that you could, you know, slots where you could drop in pencils and kind of repeat cut a bunch of them mm. at a time rather than having to, you know, one-offs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could laser at your wallet or your Zippo lighter. I bought a Zippo lighter from, oh my God, I dropped it on the keys. So. <laughs> I bought a Zippo lighter from Walmart. It's like powder coated from Walmart, you know, from Zippo rather. 
and I was able to etch through the paint. So that's a good project. It's just laser etched through like a painted Zippo. When I say painted, it's painted by the factory. So I got a lot of comments yesterday on my Instagram. It's like, you know, that paint's going to rub right off. I'm like, it's just how I bought it. <laughs> don't call the shot if you don't know the shot. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about a uh, router? You get a router for the first time. I And uh, it's okay. Let me start over. <laughs> I was listening to the newest episode of Modern Maker Podcast, which I have to say is one of my favorite maker podcasts out there. It's one that I consistently listen to. Me too. I just like the way that they do their stuff. Um, but they were talking about routers and how you know they were using them in the context of CNC and hand cutting things and all this. And they were mentioning how it's one of the most kind of unwieldy woodworking tools. If you're not comfortable with it, it feels like it's like you're going to lose control of it very quickly. And so for someone who has just gotten a router for the first time, maybe maybe in the context of having it mounted in a table and not having it mounted in a table, what's a good first project for that? Hmm. Work with a smaller bit. That's a build up. If you put, I remember I had to do a project where I had a, I had to surface the edge of a two inch thick piece of walnut, and it's I had to get a, a really deep, it's almost like a one and a half inch bit that was about one inch in diameter. The bit was ninety five dollars, and it had a roller bearing at the top so I could match a pattern. And that bit scared me so much that I mounted a, a plate to it. I took a piece of plexiglass, a quarter-inch thick piece of plexiglass, and I made a, a long plate. And I had the plate on top of the material, the, the expensive wall on the table I was working on, and I put a bunch of weights on it. My fear was that I, the, the router would run away from me, and it would shoot across the top of the material and or my hands, God forbid. So what I did is I made this safety plate. And it actually ended up being a really good thing because – when, when I was, if I'm cutting and I want to take a break for one second, I just pull it away from the material and let go of the, the router as opposed to like turning it upside down and exposing that giant bit spinning. It's the kind of bit where if I turn the router off, it took a few, took like 30 seconds for the thing to stop spinning. And I didn't want to get hurt and I didn't want to damage the $90 bit. So I put this plate, I just, I re-drilled the pattern, the screw hole pattern, took off the original plate, put this plate on and it had those weights. So that was a, that was a safety precaution that I took. So the, the the router running away from you is an extremely risky thing that could potentially happen, and it, the risk is higher when you have a bigger bit on it. So if you're using like a big roundover bit, that's going to give you like a, a, a half inch or a three quarter inch roundover. You got that big round top of those big roundover bits. You got to be really careful because once it grabs that wood, it's going to yank out of your hand, and you know it's either going to yank to you or away from you depending upon the positioning of your holding it. So you got to be super careful. You got to tense up your whole body, your legs from your toes to your shoulders. You got to make sure you're ready for it. Take small bites. Yes, I think um, you have to understand as a as a beginner which way to run the router. So if it's in a table, yeah, you're going to go right to left. And please correct me if I'm I'm wrong because I don't want to. Uh, endanger anybody yeah, that's correct and then when you you're you're moving left yes just say it that way you're moving you're left. moving left and then when you flip it up and you're um doing it by hand you want to go the opposite way unless you're doing a climb cut which is probably a more advanced technique that you don't want to get involved in right away correct am i saying that that's right funny yeah i think so i mean that's something that i we, we used the router the other day for that frame i was talking about and as soon as i put it down i'm like wait Am I going to, which way am I going? I still don't remember, and I have to think through it and probably do it wrong every other time. 
Um, but it's super important and you can totally, you can totally feel it. Like if you start to go the wrong direction, it just does not work like it should. <laughs> so it's pretty obvious that it's easier in the right way, but yeah, that's pretty important. I mean, using it for, as far as like a project, using it for putting a rabbit in an edge, um, I think is a pretty good first use. Like if you're making a picture frame or if you're making, you know, if you're trying to make a corner joint of a cabinet or something and you want to put a rabbit in one of the pieces, making that cut is you're not cutting down into a piece. So you're not plunging something. You're not cutting in a full depth probably. You know, it's it's a it's a light cut generally depending on the size of rabbit you're making, I guess. And so I think that can be a pretty kind of safe way to get the feel of, hmm. you know, cutting into a piece and along an edge without having to like really work against it or and uh something to keep in mind is you don't have to do it all in one pass. You can do multiple passes. Yeah. So um lower the bit yeah, just so a important. little bit. Multiple yeah. passes is and you you don't want to go to your your, your finished depth right away because if you have chip out burnout or anything, you're going to mess up your material. So you always got to build up to it. Work up to okay, it. Okay, what about what about speeds? Because like I know some routers have no variable control. Some do have a speed control on them, and I that's something I know nothing about. I don't know why you would use. I mean, generally I do, but why would someone use a slower speed on a, a wood router or a high speed? Like, what are the conditions that that would make sense to use? It's funny. I personally don't have a lot of experience with that. I, I grew up with routers that you just turn them on and they go full speed. You know, they go whatever, yeah. a couple thousand or whatever, tens of thousands of RPMs. So it wasn't until later in my making experience that I started seeing routers with variable speeds on them. And I, I if it burns, slow it down. Uh, you know, if you bit, it, there's a lot of combinations. It's how fast you push it. It's like feeds and speeds. It's kind of like a little bit. I'm getting a little bit into that with the CNC routering. So it all depends on, you know, what your chip size is, what you want to create, what you want to go. But when in doubt, just take light passes. And it wasn't, again, until later in my making experience that I started using a plunge router. And it, I never use a plunge router, but using a plunge router is a great, is a great, great tool because you can put that bit away. When you're done using it, you just put the thumb lever and the bit comes up and it's in a safe position. And so that's a, a, another thing to consider is start working with the plunge router right away. It makes makes life safer and a little bit easier. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And you can get a plunge uh, mount for most routers, not everyone, but um, like I know I've got a little Dewalt uh, trim router that I use most hmm. of the time because it's small. It seems to work really well, but it's small and like manageable. It doesn't feel like I'm two handing this giant thing that's going to run away from me. Um, but even something that small does have a plunge kit that you can or base that you can set it in. So, all right, cool. You guys got anything else? Any other tools or tips or things? I think we could do this for other tools, mm -hmm. maybe in a future episode. I think a, a great project for the table saw is a bowl. It's a really great project. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness! <laughs> Baseball this, bat? That'd be good. Candlestick? Oh. Wait, is this? Oh, this. I thought we were in the advanced class. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the cool. first time I ever saw Izzy, who was making a ball. I'm like, what is this joker doing? And then I'm like, wow, that is cool. I wish I thought of that. I think that was the first one I saw of his as well. I was just like, man, that dude is nuts. <laughs> he is nuts. Is <laughs> he's a great guy. Yeah. It was funny. The first time I saw that video, I really was like, I honestly was like, damn, I wish I thought of that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, what have you guys been watching? Anything 
new? Anything cool? Um, it's not completely new. It just got moved to Netflix, and it used to be on um, on the website, and now Netflix picked it up, and I'm hoping they do new seasons. And that's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. So it's hosted by Jerry Seinfeld. And he'll uh, get into an old classic car, and he'll go pick up some famous person, uh, usually a comedian. And uh, they drive around, and they get coffee. And there are GoPros in the camera, and they'll have a camera crew that follows them into the coffee shop. And it's really great, inspiring conversations, because you uh, um, you get to kind of understand how some of these uh people work and where their creativity comes from just and it, it's they're quick like 15 20 minute episodes it's just really really good you know I've, I've only seen a couple of them when they were on youtube like before they went to netflix so i haven't seen any of the newer ones but it was interesting because some of them the comedians were like on mm. you know they were like on stage yeah. even though they were in a car and some of them are not some of them are just like more laid back and more conversational because they know seinfeld personally or whatever and so it's interesting in that way, like you get kind of different experiences with different yeah. comedians, but yeah, it's a good show. You want to hear something funny? My brother calls me the other day. He goes, dude, you know, I watch comedians in cars. He goes, I don't think it's all that funny. He just, he's a little jaded. My, my <laughs> not my comedian brother, my other brother. I'm like, no. dude, it's a, it's a, it's a funny show. He goes, but I saw the funniest episode. He goes, I wasn't paying attention until this episode came on. And then all of a sudden it really got me. I'm like, what's your episode? He goes, this girl that plays like this wacky character, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> my brother's like a 55 year old ex-marine i'm like you like that he goes that was the funniest thing he says the funniest thing i ever saw on youtube in my life so i la- we had a laugh about it because i like you guys know i'm a fan of miranda sings and uh so she does an episode of comedians and cars getting coffee and it's hmm. so odd to me it looks like somebody's agent made this happen doesn't look like yeah. a natural thing but it was it was a really funny episode so if you can it's a couple years old now so it I'm curious now. Have you seen her Netflix show? Because she has a, her own Netflix. I've show. seen pieces of it. I haven't watched the whole thing, but uh, I, I I follow her her vlog as regular Colleen, and I follow her as <laughs> as Miranda. I think I'm a big fan of what she what she does. She's really super talented. So hmm. yeah, I didn't really watch this. I mean, I I have I don't have the attention span to like sit and watch an episode of anything. So, <laughs> one I of my put favorite it on to episodes. Go to sleep. One of my favorite yeah. episodes is with Kevin Hart. Um, oh yeah, because I didn't know much about him. I've seen a couple of his stand-ups and just thought, "Hey, it's a funny dude." But then when I watched the uh, the interview with Jerry Seinfeld, he he is an incredibly hard worker. He has got like three, four things going all at the same time, and he puts a lot into it. He understands the history of stand-up comedy, and just uh, it was. It was just one of those, like, man, I'm going to watch that again someday because it was inspiring. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Hart's funny, and you you bring up Kevin Hart, and it brings me to. I think I liked it in my in my videos recently, so you can go back and find it. I've been watching Jesse. You guys know Jesse hangs out with Casey all the time. He's mm-hmm. uh, him and his girlfriend had uh, girlfriend boy versus boyfriend for a while, and then when they split up, now his channel is just Jesse. He's got 10 million followers. He's just a daily vlogger and just like a funny online dude. He's got a you know his personality is what drives everything he does and he's a very good filmmaker so he he made a couple he's getting into the movie making game i think he did a he did a video for snoop dogg a couple years ago and he was teaching in this episode that i happen to catch it's a year old now but him and kevin hart were together and he was teaching kevin hart how to vlog it was super funny and super like 
honest and silly. So if you hmm. guys get a chance, hmm. check out Jesse's channel and uh, just Google Jesse and Kevin Hart. It'll pop up. It's him teaching him how to vlog. So. I was at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando this last year, two years ago, sometime. And I was there with my kids and like we walked through a door and Jesse and he had a cameraman with him. And they walked in and he like saw the group of Star Wars people in costume and everything for the first time. And I don't remember what he said, but it was like, wow, you didn't expect to see this, I don't think. So he was, he probably shot a vlog from there. I I never looked it up, but Mm -hmm. you know, he walked in and kind of his eyes like popped open like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) didn't expect this. Anyway, Jimmy, what have you been watching? Anything? Oh, no, I've been watching Jesse. That was my suggestion. I've been watching Jesse. And then um, I was going to talk about a podcast. uh, let me see which podcast is. Oh, you know what? So Jesse's old news for most people because he's he's been around forever. But I've been getting into him. <laughs> no, no, <Poor> Jesse. <laughs> what? That just it sounds mean. No, no, Jesse's no. I news. don't mean it like I mean like I'm coming late to the party that's been there is what I'm saying. I don't mean I, it. You know, I'm it's like a lot of people like yeah, it's always something I didn't know. Um, so Jesse, and then again, something that everybody seems to know that I'm just getting into is is Joe Rogan's podcast. So. Something I just started. I catch it here and there. I don't know why it started suggesting it on YouTube for me. And uh, you know, sometimes his theories are a little out there. But I always thought he was a very funny comedian. I've seen him live a few times in California when I was out there with my brother. And uh, he's a very talented comedian, needless to say. But he's uh, he's got a he's a pretty good podcaster as well. So I've been checking him out. Nice. Um, so for mine is a guy that, and I saw a new video by him today that I haven't actually watched the video, but I saw it pop up and that's what made me think of it. And I've probably talked about him before. Um, a guy named Michael Alm. Do you remember Michael? Mm-hmm. We met, we met Michael at a couple of different events, uh, throughout the years. I don't remember exactly where all, but he's, he's a really nice guy and he's an incredible artist. So when we first met him, the work that he showed were these crazy sculptures of animals made out of like really thin strips of wood and the way that he they're three-dimensional sculptures and the ways that the way that he makes them with that it looks like at a distance it looks like someone skinned an animal kind i mean it sounds gross but the the colors of the wood and the way that he does these kind of fibrous pieces it looks like you're seeing you know the muscles of an animal like in mid stride or something like that. But then when you look closely, it's actually just strips of different color wood and they're beautiful. And he's done several of them. Uh, since then he's, he does all sorts of stuff. Like he's been renovating a house and all this different stuff, but he puts up videos every once in a while. Um, and they're always really well shot. They just have a, he does good work. It's just really cool stuff. And so today he put out one or yesterday or something, put out one about making a bed. And like I said, I haven't watched it yet, but, you know, based on his past work, it's probably good. So you should definitely go check it out. Um, And another thing that actually I just got a notification saying that uh, a new episode of this podcast showed up that I've been listening to here and there. It's called Showmakers. You ever heard of Showmakers? Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) they They don't have that many episodes, but every one of the episodes is with somebody that it's like really interesting to listen to them talk. So they had one with Destin from Smart Every Day. They had one with Henry from Minute Physics and Hank Green. And the one from today is with Mike Boyd, who does the Learn Quick stuff. And Mike's awesome. So uh, it's two guys that just decided they wanted to start a podcast. And their first episode was, it was with Destin, I think. But, you know, so they came right out of the gate with like really big 
people, big channels and people who are really good at what they do. And so it's, it's a cool show. And so should definitely check that out as well. All right. Um, you guys got anything else for this week? Mm. Gotta thank our, our Patreon supporters. Yes. For sure. Yes. Um, everybody who supports us on Patreon at any level gets our, our after show, which is more audio of us talking and stuff. Um, it's usually 15, 20 minutes of stuff. Sometimes there's secret stuff there. We all wear <laughs> wizard costumes when we do that. Sometimes <laughs> Jimmy doesn't wear pants. Sometimes. sometimes. But, sometimes. I, but I always have on my wizard costume. Always. always. Anyway, our uh, top supporters over there are Make, Build, Modify, Chad from Mancrafting, Dora Sharir, Michael Schubert, Works by Solo, Malton Make, Corey Ward, Evan and Caitlin, who we'll see at WorkbenchCon this weekend, and Wise Old Dow. So we're grateful to everybody that supports us at any level over there. It's it's a big thing. And I, I know I've said this before, but uh, we've gotten we've been able to turn down a lot of sponsorship opportunities that were not, you know, super great because we have Patreon support and we don't have to take on those sponsorships. I'm not against sponsorship, but like it's just not a priority because we have all the support from you guys. So really grateful for that. And uh, if you want to help out, go to patreon.com slash making it. Cool. Can Thanks. I change my podcast? I want to just shout out my buddy Kyle Stumpin' Horse. He just texted nope, me. Too late. Oh. I'm just kidding. What is it? Kyle's got a new podcast called If You Build It. And he I think he's doing one about construction and one about family with his wife. So check out Kyle <coughs> Stumpin' Horse and say, tell everybody, tell him that I sent you. Yeah. Kyle's I, a I saw great that guy. he was releasing those and I, I'm really interested. He yeah. seems like that would he I mean, I don't know him well. Uh just talked to him once or twice, but he seems like someone who would be really good on a podcast. He's great. I mean, you can just have a conversation with him. It just flows. It's so easy. He's so open and honest when it comes to providing information, and he has no secrets. Now, I mean, he's just an honest, good-hearted guy that just wants to see people do good. And, and so I'm looking forward to checking out his podcast. I haven't listened yet. He just reminded me to, to take a listen when I'm driving to Atlanta. But the timing is perfect. So everybody else go listen to it as well. Cool. All right. Well, anything else? I think that's it. Awesome. That's it. Love you guys. That's it. Love you too. Kisses. See you next week. <laughs>